Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Thursday, September 2nd. I'm Andrea Linares. These are today's headlines. The remnants of Hurricane Ida dropping torrential rain in the New York area. At least 15 people now dead. The National Weather Service declaring an unprecedented flash flood emergency in that region. And the aftermath of Hurricane Ida getting uglier by the day in Louisiana. Power is slowly being restored to the state, but hundreds of thousands remain in the dark. The death toll from the massive storm rising to six. And in Texas, anger over a severe new abortion law. Officials there now barring women from obtaining an abortion if a fetal heartbeat is detected as early as six weeks into their pregnancy. The Supreme Court declining to hear the case. This and much more today on U News, transmitting live from our newsroom in Miami. We begin with a catastrophe in the Northeast. At least 15 people are now dead in New York and New Jersey after massive and unprecedented rainfall from the remnants of Hurricane Ida. Dramatic video and images showing how that storm wreaked havoc in the area. Heavy rainfall, winds and multiple tornadoes pummeling neighborhoods. The governors of New York and New Jersey declaring a state of emergency. The remnants of Ida slamming the Northeast. The streets of New York City look like rivers in Harlem, in Queens. For the first time ever, the National Weather Service issuing a flash flood emergency there. The subway system flooded in 46 locations. Rescues from between 15 and 20 subway trains took place overnight. New York Governor Kathy Hochul addressing the cleanup efforts underway. We also have pumping systems in place, taking care of the subways, literally removing the water physically. Firefighters rescuing this man from a car stuck in deep floodwaters on the Bronx River Parkway. And this other man climbing out of his window to safety. I was driving down and then I was taking my time when I see the car start floating, you know. For those homeowners whose properties have suffered damage, the governor says help is on the way. I've directed the Department of Financial Services to be in contact immediately with our insurance providers so they get people on the ground. Show up in these neighborhoods, get your claims adjusters, let them start filing to get reimbursed for the damages. Meanwhile, in New Jersey, wow. at one point Wednesday night, five inches of rain fell per hour and Newark Airport flooded. All flights canceled. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, so people were uh, all hands on deck uh, with our, our emergency operations, police, fire, uh, calls for service, people abandoned, uh, fires uh, down. Uh, it, was, it was quite a challenge last night, but we're slowly entering the, the recovery phase. Yo, this is crazy. A multi-vortex tornado was spotted in Burlington Township. Mother Nature also wreaking havoc in Mullica Hill. Several homes leveled after another tornado touched down. It's like a, a war zone. There's the, the one house over there. There's nothing left of it. I just went into my basement. One of the crazy things was I could not shut my basement door. One neighborhood after another across the region suffering significant storm damage. The resident of this home says the water in his basement rose to at least six inches high. 
Wild weather extending as far as Washington, D.C., where residents of this apartment complex say the rush of water came out of nowhere. Rescue teams now working around the clock trying to get people to safety. Hundreds of people have already been rescued, but many more still need help from authorities. Today, Amtrak service between Philadelphia and Boston has been canceled due to severe weather. Experts say it could take several days before water levels recede. Also, FEMA has been briefing President Biden on the situation on the ground. And the president set to visit Louisiana Friday as the state attempts to recover from Hurricane Ida. According to the White House, Biden will survey storm damage and meet with local and state officials. Millions of people have been without electricity since the storm hit. And according to officials, it could take several weeks for power to be restored. Biden met with officials on Monday, pledging his support for recovery efforts. The president said more than 5,000 members of the National Guard have been activated to support search, rescue and recovery efforts on the ground. And in Louisiana, the lack of electricity and basic supplies is creating a variety of dangers for those weathering the aftermath of this storm. This as the death toll grows. Here's Brenda Cancino with the very latest. First came that storm bearing 150 miles per hour winds and destruction. And tonight, the new crisis the scramble for basic necessities of life. You see it in miles-long lines for gas, in the lines to buy generators, and on the faces of hurricane survivors. Well, we ain't got nowhere to live, and then we ain't got no food. Food, water, shelter, and fuel, all desperately scarce. There's nothing open and all the way through Baton Rouge, and we were lucky to, to find this. It's been four days since that hurricane slammed through here, and still, all of this sludge brought in by the storm surge remains. Folks are starting to clean up, but these streets are still canals. And everywhere you look here in southeastern Louisiana, you see destroyed or those tilting power poles. We drove through another flooded neighborhood in Laplace, finding Amy Thomas and her family. How are you bathing? And for mothers across Louisiana like Amy, the biggest worry their kids. Not being able to cook properly, to eat properly. I just was overwhelmed. Utilities companies say there could be more weeks of this. A forest worth of power poles down and thousands of miles of power line. No electricity and no water is bringing critical infrastructure to its knees. Terrebonne Hospital in Homa now fully evacuated. But tonight, some signs of hope. More than 20,000 electric workers descending on New Orleans. For you news. Brenda now to exploding controversy in the state of Texas, the nation's most restrictive abortion law taking effect in that state where women will now be unable to obtain an abortion roughly after the six week mark. This as the Supreme Court in a split decision refuses to block that measure. Rafael Rodriguez has more on that move. A bitterly divided Supreme Court breaking its silence in a five to four decision refusing to block a new Texas law that effectively bans all abortions in that state. Chief Justice John Roberts, a conservative, joining liberal justices in dissenting the move, calling the Texas law not only unusual, but unprecedented. Across the state, protesters had demanded that the court step in and stop the ban. But in an unsigned opinion, the conservative majority said that the abortion providers who challenged the law did not address complex and novel procedural questions. And so, as of today in Texas, that law stands. 
A physician may not perform an abortion if a fetal heartbeat is detected, which could be as early as six weeks into a pregnancy, and before some women even know they are pregnant. There are no exceptions for rape or incest, only for medical emergencies. Justice Sonia Sotomayor, writing in her dissent, the court's order is stunning, presented with a flagrantly unconstitutional law engineered to prohibit women from exercising their constitutional rights, a majority of justices have opted to bury their heads in the sand. Rafael Rodriguez, U News. Because Texas lawmakers have admitted aspects of the law are not enforceable by the states, the new measure instead empowers private citizens anywhere in the U.S. to sue anyone who performs or even helps a woman to get an illegal abortion in Texas. And if successful, they could receive at minimum $10,000. Meanwhile, in late-breaking developments, President Biden weighing in, calling the new Texas law, quote, an unprecedented assault on a woman's constitutional rights under Roe versus Wade, which has been the law of the land for almost 50 years. He says he will launch a widespread federal effort to respond to the new law. And even still more controversy in Texas after a new pro-gun law went into effect. That law will almost will allow most residents who legally own a firearm in the state to carry it openly without a permit or even training. But experts say the measure will make it harder for law enforcement to protect the public from gun violence. The controversial constitutional carry legislation is the latest in a series of pro-gun bills that state lawmakers have passed this year, even as incidents of gun violence have risen sharply. On the coronavirus front, the CDC is asking people to consider their risk before traveling this Labor Day weekend. This as the White House moves forward on booster shots. Grecia Lastra has the latest. This morning, the CDC issuing a travel warning for Labor Day, telling vaccinated people to consider their risk and telling unvaccinated people not to travel at all. First and foremost, if you are unvaccinated, um, we would recommend not traveling. COVID hospitalizations across the country have just hit a seven-month high. The Biden administration now moving forward on vaccine booster shots. FDA advisors will meet September 17th to consider Pfizer's booster shot application. Popular podcaster Joe Rogan has revealed he's positive for COVID. Throughout the night, I got fevers and sweats, and I knew what was going on. Months after he suggested young health people don't need the vaccine. Meanwhile, a new vaccination card fraud scheme has been busted. More than a dozen people are charged with forging vaccine cards. It's completely unacceptable and and obviously undermines public safety and undermines confidence in public safety. The Manhattan DA says the suspects include hospital and nursing home workers. And in Hawaii, a separate incident. 24-year-old Chloe Merzak busted at the airport, where police say she showed a fake vaccine card. Authorities tipped off by the misspelling of Moderna on her card. Hashtag Moderna with two A's was later trending on Twitter. This is Grecia Lastra reporting for U News. And with the Delta variant straining hospital capacity around the world, a new strain of the coronavirus emerging from South America has the World Health Organization on alert. Azul Alvarez explains. A new COVID-19 variant is being investigated by the World Health Organization because it could evade immunity from previous infections and even from vaccines. 
Mu variant now is part of the organization's list of variants of concern. They have evidence that this variant possibly has sufficient changes that may make vaccine immunity not work. The strain was identified in Colombia and most cases have been detected in South America and Europe. Although the prevalence of the variant is below 0.1%, cases are increasing in Colombia and Ecuador. It has already spread to more than 30 countries. Our borders are porous and we have a lot of travel from around the world. A person in Colombia or any other of the countries where the variant is active can bring it to the United States. For now, there are four variants of concern that have been identified by the organization, including Delta, which continues to hit the United States hard. Mu? We didn't know about that one. We only heard about Delta. That's why some say it's not time to let our guard down. These people who are foolish and don't want to get vaccinated, that's the big problem. Reported in Los Angeles by Dulce Castellanos, this is Azul Álvarez. You news. And in vaccine news, nearly 15 million doses of COVID-19 shots have been wasted in the U.S. That may sound like a lot, but it's actually less than the 5 to 15 percent waste rate that is typical for vaccines stored in multi-dose vials. Part of that is because those vials have to be used quickly after they are opened. As smaller providers receive the vaccine, it's more likely they won't get to use all the doses in each vial. The CDC says it's working with providers and and jurisdictions to try to minimize that waste. And the CDC is offering to help people with intellectual and developmental disabilities learn more about COVID-19. The agency launching a COVID-19 toolkit with communication. That information explaining in plain language how the disabled and their caregivers can protect themselves from the virus. The toolkit also has tips for caregivers on how to ease their loved ones worries about COVID-19. More of you news after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. The Senate will turn itself into a courtroom. The private border fence is being installed. A police officer and three people were killed inside a Jewish supermarket in Jersey City. You News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your world, your news. You News on Fusion. Welcome back to You News. With the Caldor fire still a major threat along the California-Nevada state line, South Lake Tahoe stood smoke-filled and largely deserted on Wednesday after crews fought back a new spread. This as flames inch closer to Nevada. President Biden approved a declaration of emergency in California and ordered federal assistance to boost local responders' efforts to battle the blaze. Meanwhile, the Dixie Fire has burned almost 900,000 acres and remains only 52 percent contained. 
And though wildfires out west have grown so intense that in early August, the Forest Service announced an all-out fire suppression strategy, directing all resources to extinguish existing wildfires as soon as possible. However, as a result, the Fire Service is also temporarily halting fire prevention strategies such as controlled burns. These are fires which are intentionally set to clear vegetation that could fuel future infernos. Joining me now to help us better understand controlled burns, also known as prescribed fires, is Dr. Morgan Varner. He's a director of research at the organization Tall Timbers. Thanks so much for joining us, Dr. Varner. Welcome to U News. Thank you. What is your reaction to this decision by the Forest Service to temporarily halt controlled burns as they fight these extreme wildfires out west? It's a really rough situation um you know we all in the scientific community feel for california i lived in california and worked there for a decade um they're put in an awful an awful situation and um you know i think we could we could be pretty quick to criticize and for me it brings up that we don't have a dedicated workforce that is focused on prescribed fire and this workforce is is overwhelmingly focused on on wildfire suppression and um so we don't, we're not able to step in and make these treatments happen before these catastrophes occur. Florida is among a dozen states in the South where controlled burning has become routine. Are these states unique as compared to the rest of the country? They are um, at a little bit outside the Southeast also, Oklahoma, Kansas. Um, there are a few national shining stars for prescribed fire. Uh, Florida burns 2 million acres a year. Um, and they do so for not only for wildfire prevention, um, but they also, and part of the success has been that they do it for biodiversity, they do it for uh, wildlife habitat and, and to keep the, airs, keep the air clean um, so that they don't have wildfires putting smoke into the air. Many people perhaps wonder, are prescribed fires routine in California and states out west where we are now seeing these massive and historic wildfires, which seem to just get worse every year? They do. Um, uh, California and in many areas of the west have undergone a pretty slow but steady decline in the use of prescribed fire. Um, you know, right now there's tremendous political will in those places to turn, turn that story around. Um, so we're all pretty optimistic that California ends up leading the West in recovering prescribed fire in the future. Now, can these prescribed fires go wrong? In other words, can they spiral out of control? Yeah, it's, I think the public, the, a misconception with the public is that this happens quite a bit. Um, in Florida, the nation's leader in prescribed fire, 99.7% of prescribed fires stay within their boundaries. And I think that's a uh, a testament to a place that uses fire a lot, has a substantial comfort with it. Um, and my guess is that with investments in California that seem to be on the horizon, that they'll be in a very similar situation. In general, if prescribed fires do escape, a landscape that surrounds those escapes um, can buffer any of the sort of damages that, that often end up in the, in the media. Now, what would be your recommendation for states like California and Montana as they continue to deal with these massive wildfires? Well, I, like I mentioned earlier, a, a really heavy investment in, in a workforce that can be focused on prescribed fire. What tends to happen is 
um, wildfires draw all sorts of personnel away from their primary, their day jobs in essence, um, to really to overwhelmingly focus on prescribed fires. And so a real strong focus on building a, a, a workforce that can handle prescribed fire, not only in California, but across the country. Um, increases in training, increases in an attention to uh, where regulatory and legal impediments uh, occur in the Southeast. They've had great success because they've streamlined a lot of regulations and policies to empower prescribed burning to really change the dialogue. Well, hopefully our leaders and the communities can learn something from these devastating experiences and improve the situation in the near future. Thanks so much for your time. I'm Morgan Varner, Director of Research at Tall Timbers. Take care. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. And join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.